All right, so here we go. Father, we lift up tonight the word of the Lord, and everybody agree with me, okay, because this type of thing, the devil's not happy. But Lord, we thank you for your word. We love you. We love the word of the Lord. We bless you tonight. And as we come before you in Jesus' name and through his blood, we pray over this word tonight. And Lord, we need the word. And I pray that by your precious Holy Spirit, wherever people are, uh, people may hear this live or they may listen to this. They may even listen to it a year from now. But Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would begin to anoint and move, move upon this word so powerful that everybody that's hearing this, give us the grace just by your spirit to really get captivated and focused that our minds are not wandering, but Lord, anoint our minds and our hearts by your spirit and lock us in to, so that we can really grasp what you're speaking to us. Lord, I pray that you would anoint our eyes and ears and give us eyes and ears of the spirit. And Lord, that you would bless this time and that you'd anoint me and speak through me your word and it would go out as living seeds of truth that are sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives even right now that the Holy Spirit is preparing and moving upon that these seeds of truth will go out into good soil and the Holy Spirit will water these seeds in people's hearts and in their lives and their families and their ministry and cause these seeds to begin to take root, Lord, and grow and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. And Lord, I pray that your word, the winds of your spirit, will carry this everywhere it needs to go. It's going to get where it needs to be. This is a supernatural thing. This is not something that's natural. You can't figure this out. But Lord, let your Holy Spirit, the winds of your spirit, are going to get behind this word, and it's going to get out to the nations everywhere it's supposed to be. And Lord, I pray that you'll watch over it. Let there be a washing of the water of the word. Let there be a light of truth that begins to shine very bright and dispel all the darkness and lies and deception of the enemy and bring truth and bring revelation and give us, Lord, a love for the truth. We don't want error. We don't want deception. We don't want mixture. We want the truth. And Lord, I pray, give us a love for your word and for the truth. And I also pray, Father, that your word be a hammer throughout this series that's going to break down all these traditions of men, all these pet doctrines, and these things that are just not God. Lord, I pray the hammer of your word begin to break down every stronghold. And Lord, that you would watch over this word. And I pray the Bible says the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So Lord, we take authority. We bring the word of the Lord under the blood of Jesus. And together collectively as a church, we bind the enemy right now. In the name of Jesus, who, whatever satanic force would try to hinder this word, in any way, we bind you now in Jesus' name. You back off. And Lord, we take authority over the enemy. And I thank you. Let your mighty angels watch over your word. It's not our opinion. It's the word of the Lord to watch over your word and protect it. And Lord, I pray for everyone that's going to be hearing this. Let us never be the same. But get this down into who we are and change us, Lord, into the image of Christ. And I pray that through all this, Christ will be glorified and your kingdom will advance. Let the word of God spread rapidly among the nations and be honored as it should in these latter days. Lord, give us souls, we pray. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for hearing and answering these prayers tonight, meeting every need. And we believe that the word of the Lord will not return void, but it will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <clears throat> So I'm dealing with a series. I'm going to take my time with this so it could be a while. And I want to, I really felt at the beginning of the year, every year God has had some kind of a series that would mark that year. 
And I remember even going back to 2014 time frame, I did a series called The Priesthood of the Believer, Tabernacle and Priesthood and all of that. It was really in-depth, had a lot of positive feedback. 2015, The Spine of Prophecy. We did an in-depth look at the end-time prophecy. Uh, 2016, Communion Hebrew Roots. We did a deep study on the communion table and the Hebrew Roots. 2017, it was Mikdash. We did a study on the, uh, the sanctuary. And this year, it's going to be Doctrines of Demons. And what God's wanting to do, he's wanting to deal with mixture. And how many knows that in the latter days, the Bible predicts a lot of deception? Yeah, that was the first thing Jesus said. I'm going to get into this tonight. But you know, when, when the disciples asked Jesus, you know, what is, what's going to happen in, in Matthew 24? Jesus, the very first thing he said was, watch out that nobody deceive you. And we see the warning over and over again that there's going to be a lot of deception in the latter days. So how do you safeguard from deception? You know the Bible for yourself. You cannot just blindly follow people. You're going to have to know the word for yourself. You're going to have to study it. And that is the safeguard from all deception is the word of God. Okay. And I'm going to tell you something else. God will anoint his word. You know, the Bible says that that the Lord worked with them confirming his word with signs that followed in Mark 16. See, the reason, one of the reasons, there are multiple reasons, okay, but one reason why sometimes places are powerless is because they're preaching man's opinion, they're preaching motivational speeches, they're preaching traditions of men. If they would start preaching the true, pure word of God, God would back up his word. So I have a love for the truth, and I pray that you do too. And I'm going to read some scripture tonight, and this is going to just kind of set our teeth in this series, but my heart in this is that through all of this series, that God is really going to purify and do a deep work in all of our lives, okay? So let me read some scriptures. Tonight I'm going to deal with the simplicity, simplicity of the gospel. And then we're going to cover a lot of ground in this series. I'm hoping to deal with realms of spiritual warfare, some end-time prophecies, some deliverance issues. But tonight's about the gospel. This is where it's got to begin. I mean, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You know, no other revelation that's out there, so-called revelation, none of that is going to get people to heaven but the gospel. Okay, so we've got to preach the gospel. Remember, Paul said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. He had something in him. He just felt compelled by the Spirit. All right, 2 Corinthians eleven three. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, that your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Well, Satan is a master deceiver. And how did the devil approach Eve? You know, there's a lot to this. It could be a whole sermon in and of itself. I'm sure that he waited till she was hungry because he was tempting her with food. But he came to her at an opportune time. He entered the serpent, used the serpent. There's a reason for that. But nonetheless, when he came to her, he said, what did he say? Did God really say? He began to challenge the word of the Lord. And when Eve began to listen to the devil, instead of sticking to the word, deception came. In 1 Timothy 4.1, which is really going to be, um, you know, the scripture for this whole series. But it says, the Spirit explicitly, and that can be translated clearly, says that in the latter times, when? 
the latter times. These are the days that we're living. You know, there was a man that, uh, I believe he said this back in 1990, if I'm not mistaken. But he was a preacher of the gospel, and he was an elderly man in 1990, okay? He said when he first started preaching the gospel, he said, man, he said, I had to really look diligently to find end-time prophetic events. But he said now, he was talking about 1990. He said now they're everywhere. And that's exactly what we're dealing with today is that end time prophecy is all around us. We need to know the word. We need to know what it says. But the spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith. Paying attention to what? Deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. By means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, you know, people that, that are religious leaders that have gotten to where maybe they're doing things for the wrong reasons and their consciences can get seared, you got to be careful with that. I know that sometimes I, I like to grill steaks or whatever, and if you really want to trap the moisture, you get the, you get the grill really hot, and when you put the steak on there, it sears it. And you'll see that there'll be these black lines uh, along it, but it's seared, and you do it on both sides, it traps the moisture. But see, the warning here is that people's consciences can be seared. And people can get dull. And now they're, they're doing things they would have never done before. But by means, verse 2, of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own consciences with a branding iron, Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. So to me, when I read this, when it says forbidding the marriage, uh, forbidding marriage, I begin to think about Catholicism, Roman Catholicism. And when it talks about abstaining from foods, I begin to think about rabbinic Judaism. Listen, we've got to be careful about these realms of dead religion. In verse 4, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the word of God in prayer. All right, so we can see the Bible warns us that in the latter times what some will abandon or fall away from the faith. That is a scary thought. Why? Because they're deceived. And so God's going to raise up a group of people I believe in these latter days that are going to be pretty radical. And they're going to have a heart for biblical, true biblical Christianity. And they're going to have a heart to preach the truth. In Galatians 1 verse 8, Paul warned them because the Galatian church had been powerfully touched. And they had embraced the gospel, but coming behind Paul were now some people called Judaizers that were trying to tell the Galatians that, yeah, what Paul preached is fine, but you still have to be circumcised and you still have to do this, that, and the other to be saved. And I'm going to get into later about adding to the gospel and taking away from the gospel. You better watch that. Look what Paul said. He said, even if we, he's talking about himself, even if myself or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we've preached to you, he is to be accursed. And Paul said, you better not believe any other so-called gospel. There's one gospel. And then 2 Corinthians 11, 4. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit, 
which you have not received or a different gospel which you have not accepted you put up with it easily enough he was rebuking them let me read that again because I want you to see something I think that a lot of these scriptures are never preached and I think that people have never really studied these and thought about it for a minute did you know that there can be another Jesus preached did you know that there are so-called other Jesuses out there that are not the Jesus of the Bible are y'all hearing me tonight did you know that there can be he said if there's another Jesus whom we've not preached or you receive a different spirit did you know that there are counterfeit spirits that traffic through churches that is not the Holy Spirit or if you receive a different gospel so there can be false gospels listen guys this is important what I'm preaching tonight because it's the word of the Lord and this is a serious warning there are false Jesuses there are false spirits and there are false gospels that are trafficking did you know that there is deception guys all around us it is not far from any of us it's all around and we have to test the spirits we have to know the word for ourselves and we've got to test the spirits in Jude 1 3 beloved while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints Jude is saying there that there needs to be almost like a militance about that that you are willing to really contend for the truth of God's word and you're not going to settle for something else I want a move of God but I don't want a cheap counterfeit I want a real move of God I want God to show me things out of his word but I don't want some cheap counterfeit I want real revelation from the Lord and listen whenever we get an attitude of a love for the truth and we want the pure God will bless that and honor that and he'll give you that you know what the Bible says Jesus said if you ask the father he's not going to give you a snake if even earthly dads would would bless their children how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to them that ask he said if you ask the father for the spirit he's not going to give you a serpent listen we've got to test things and make sure that what we're receiving is really from the Lord because not everybody out there is preaching the truth there's some wonderful people there's wonderful wonderful preachers and ministers and churches and ministries out there that love Jesus with all their heart but not every place and every movement everything is always of God and you've got to test the spirits all right first John 4 1 which leads to that dear friends do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into this world and I my life was radically radically turned completely upside down and transformed during the 90s at the Brownsville revival completely totally transformed God convicted me of things in my life and began to clean my life up I mean there was a major revival came into my life major it was life-altering I can't say that enough and during that time God began to move mightily okay but you have to understand that once God really touched my life what was going on at Brownsville was so pure the word of the Lord was being preached people were being called to repentance and all of that it was an awesome move and I believe the absolute best is yet to come that what happened in the 90s was like a first wave but here's what concerns me about some people because I am very much 
a revival person, very much. And that's why those of you that's come and you've been touched by God's presence and power is because we're revival people. I love revival. But I'm going to tell you that something that grieves me about some of my peers in revival is that it seems that some of them, that anything that's supernatural, they just blindly accept it. And they don't test it. And if you are saying, well, uh, well, just wait a second. Let's make sure this is all of God. They'll view you as being some kind of a Pharisee, some kind of a divisive person, that you're some kind of a critic. That's, that's scary. And for those type of people that just blindly accept anything, it's a free-for-all. Anything that comes through, if it's supernatural, whatever, it must be of God. We've got to honor everything, those type of people. I personally would be very concerned sitting under their ministry because they are not testing the spirits. And I guarantee you there's a mixture in their midst. There is some, there's some truth that's preached, but there's also some error. There's a move of the Spirit of God, but there's also other counterfeit spirits. There's the true gifts of the Spirit that are in operation, but there's also some false prophecy. You see what I'm saying? There's this mixture Man, I hate mixture, and I don't want mixture, and whenever I sense mixture, it makes me want to get out of there. I don't want to be around it. I want the real. And I've had to, I've had to deal with some people and deal with some things that was counterfeit. It wasn't right. And sadly, a lot of times those people won't accept correction, and God just has to move them on. All right, the Bible says to test the spirits. What does the Bible say here? Because many false prophets have gone out. So there are false teachers and false prophets out there they're just are the bible says there is but when you preach this way there are certain groups of people that say well you know they're a critic they're divisive they're this that no we just listen i say this in love and humility no we believe the bible we're reading it in the bible and river of life we're going to obey the bible whether they like it or not they if they want their mixture let them drink that poison water all they want i want pure here all right second thessalonians 2 7 for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord, Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth. Now there's some kind of a restraining right now. Probably the Holy Spirit could be powerful angels that are in specific places. Also could be that the the true remnant bride has not been raptured. You know, there's a lot of ways of saying, well, what exactly is the restrainer there? But there is a restrainer. Something is restraining the Antichrist from really coming to power right now. There's a restrainer, okay? But it's saying here that this lawless one, the Antichrist, one day the restraining will be removed and he will be revealed. And it says the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth at his coming. And so he says here that verse 8, let me just start that over. Verse 8, then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is the one whose coming, look at this, the Antichrist, whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders. And with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish. 
Did you know that the rise of the Antichrist is going to be accompanied with false signs and wonders? And the book of Revelation gives more depth to that in Revelation 13. The false prophet is going to be basically, you know, somebody that's endorsing him and talking about how great he is. And the Bible says in Revelation 13 that the false prophet will be able to call down fire like a lightning coming down will be able to call fire down from heaven in full view of men. So there's going to be these false signs and wonders that are going to be happening to promote the Antichrist. And because of what deception, people are going to follow this Antichrist, a false Messiah. They're going to follow him. Because, look at this, this is what I wrote this whole passage here for. Let me read this again. And with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not love the truth so as to be saved. Everybody hear me tonight because more than anything, that's the scripture I want us to embrace tonight. Do you have a love for the truth? I mean, really, you love the truth. You're not going to hold on to traditions of men. Maybe the way you were raised, there were some things that weren't true, but you're willing to let go of that. Maybe some groups of people you used to worship with, there were simply some things that were good, but there were some things that just simply weren't true. Are you willing to let go of all that and have a love for the truth? No matter the, what, what the cost is, no matter who's going to get upset about it, I want the truth. And I think about how many people out there that have heard the truth over and over and over and they kept resisting the Holy Spirit. They kept mocking Christians. They kept making fun of television evangelists. They kept blaspheming and speaking against things. And eventually God says this. Here's the response. It says, for this reason, they did not love the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. In other words, God's going to give them over. And if God gives somebody over to a delusion, buddy, they are deluded. You know what I'm saying? In other words, the Holy Spirit is no longer moving on them. They've been given over. They heard the truth. Their mom kept telling them, friends kept telling them, people kept saying, you can't keep living this lifestyle. It is not sanctioned by the word of God. The Bible says it's sin. You've got to turn from these things. They kept mocking. They kept blaspheming. They didn't want to hear it. So God said, enough. God gave them over to a delusion so that they'll believe what's false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. I want to love. Again, I want to love for the truth. All right. So here's what the devil's trying to do among God's people. In the world, the devil has a lot of deception and people just, they're continually given over to that. But Satan also tries to move among religious circles and churches. He knows that we have the Bible. He knows that with true believers that we have the Holy Spirit living in us. And Satan knows that he can't really take that from us. So what does he try to do? He tries to muddy the waters. And so now there's, like I said before, there's truth that's preached, but there's also error. There's gifts of the Spirit 
in some places that are at work and it's really God but there's also counterfeit things there's a move of the spirit but there's other spirits and it there's like this mixture the 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 waters are muddied and God has never been okay with that I'll give some more scriptures you know as we go through this but God has always hated mixture in the Old Testament, God made sure and tell him, you're not to sow two different seeds together. You're not to mix garments with two different types of, uh, you know, wool and linen. And God said that it was an abomination for there to be like this mixture going on. You weren't supposed to take different types of animals and try to breed things. He wanted things to be, look, God wants to distinguish between what's holy and what's not. He doesn't want this mixture. He's always hated it. So I'm going to give you a couple of things tonight. This isn't the longest sermon. I'm going to cover a few things, and then we're going to pray together. But the first thing I want to mention, I'm going to give you about, about six points here about the gospel. Number one that is really concerning to me is what you know many are calling a hyper-grace message. And the hyper-grace message has gotten to the point to where it's telling people that they don't even need to repent. See, what happens is, is that when you start down a road that's not balanced, it's not scripturally balanced, and people try to tell them, but they keep doubling down in their position, and they keep down that road, pretty soon they're getting more and more deceived, more and more deceived, more and more deceived. And years pass, and pretty soon they're preaching stuff, and you're just shaking your head. How do you even believe that, what you're saying right there? But the, the line of thinking is that since Jesus died 2,000 years ago and the sins were laid on him, that your sin, past, present, and your future sin was already paid for, so there's no need to pray about it or repent or anything. It's already done. That's the line of thinking that they have. And I think everybody can see how dangerous that type of thing is and i'm here to tell you that the hyper grace teaching is very dangerous okay it is a muddied waters it is polluted and i'm always going to be preaching the truth that jesus said in luke 13 3 i tell you no but unless you repent you too will perish so god has called us to repent god has called us to confess that's why the Bible says, if you do sin, confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Why would that even be in the Bible if we don't have to do that? So the point is, is that yes, God wants us to repent of our sin. And if we do fail God, he wants us to humble ourselves and confess it and get cleansed and repent and restored. Okay. The second thing that's really concerned me is a false gospel that has to do a lot with works and self-righteousness i got a a pamphlet from a group of people i really love these people actually uh, and it's a, a mainline denomination it would actually surprise you a lot if i said which one it was which i'm not and the group of people they're ministering to they're doing an incredible job i mean it's great but see here's where the mixture comes in i get this pamphlet and it's about the gospel and so this thing is given to people that are first coming in. And so they don't know the Lord, many of them, and God's doing a work in their life. But as I was reading over this, I can't help but notice that to be saved, okay, 
that they were saying you have to do this and don't do this you have to do this and then don't do this you have to do this and it was very works based I kept reading this thinking oh wait a second see this is the deception I'm trying to deal with tonight is that people are adding to and taking away from the gospel yes we need to be willing to repent of our sin I think we've established that but let me tell you what the truth is the truth is you look to the cross in faith you hear what I'm saying you look at the finished work Jesus did by faith and then you're born again see I what I'm tired of is I'm tired of people trying to make it like a conversion see if you were going to go join another religion or something there's you do this you don't do that and then there's going to be something of an initiation that you do that will initiate you into that group and see people have carried that over and brought in some kind of a mixture and even a false gospel and telling people and this is the way it's presented even though they may not mean it to be it is if you'll get out of your seat and you'll walk down the aisle and you'll kneel and you'll pray this little prayer you're good to go And what's happening is, is people are not being born again. Then they're adding to that, this teaching, which I'll deal with hopefully as I go here. I think I got it in this one. But that leads people to believe, whether they say it or not, because I don't think they do a lot of times, but it, it leads them to believe you can live however you want to live and you're still going to be in heaven when you die. Do you, do you see what I'm saying here? It's a false gospel that's based on legalism and on do's and don'ts it's a religious ritual just get out of your aisle walk down and kneel I'll lead you in a prayer and you're good to go wrong the Bible says turn from your sin and look to the cross and be born again it's not a religious thing it is a new birth I can't tell you how different that is I mean, this is night and day. And this is why people many times are frustrated because they haven't been born again. They don't have the Spirit of God in them. And they're trying to measure up the do's and don'ts, and they can't. And so they give up and say this Christianity is not real. They get out of church. They fall completely away. And they never want to return because they were given something false. If they simply had been told the truth. See, the gospel is supernatural. Everybody say supernatural. It is not something that is going to be mentally argued. You're not going to argue somebody into it. You're not going to debate somebody into it. You're not going to be able to twist somebody's arm. It is something that when they look to the cross, they really see, you know what? I'm a sinner. I'm full of sin. I'm on my way to hell. Jesus took it. It was laid on him. My sin was, was bore into his body. He was pierced. He was bruised. It went on him so that I can be forgiven. And when they put their faith in him, now there's a new birth and the Spirit of God comes to live in them. Now the Word of God is beginning to be written on their hearts. Their hearts are now being circumcised by the Spirit of God. Now they're convicted of things that they never were convicted before. Now they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. They're different. Now, because the Holy Spirit's living in them, all these old things will start passing away, 
and everything will begin to be new. They're not going to feel comfortable hanging out with the old friends anymore. They're not going to feel comfortable hanging out in the bars and clubs anymore. All of a sudden now they have a desire to dump the alcohol down the drain and flush their drugs down the toilet. They want to clean out their life. Something in them has changed where their appetite for wickedness is now leaving them and now there's an appetite. They're hungry to learn the word. They want to be around God's people. And they love the Lord. They want him. And see, that's, that's the problem is, is that there's this gospel that is not really a gospel. It's just legalism. It has no power. You have to understand something. Only the true gospel has power. But buddy, let me tell you, the true gospel has power to change. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it is powerful. But this other stuff that people are being given has no power to change anybody. And to back that up is Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. Not through this little ritual. Not through legalism. Not through do's and don'ts, even though that has its place. But it's faith in the Lord. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that nobody can boast. The next thing that concerns me is doctrines that lead people into a sinful lifestyle deceive they're going to heaven. So Romans 6 verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. In another translation it says, God forbid. All right. Let's just lay into this one real good. So whenever Martin Luther back in 1517 split off the Catholic Church, even though him and some of these other Protestant leaders began to emerge, and even though this was a great move of God, and now the gospel was being preached again because it wasn't before, um, there was still a lot of mixture coming. Even though they had been brought out of Egypt, so to speak, there was still a lot of Egypt in them. You hear what I'm saying? All right. So I'm saying all that to say this point. Satan saw what God was doing. Do you remember when Jesus told the disciples, he said, be careful about the yeast of the Pharisees. If you're taking notes, you might jot down the yeast of the Pharisees. Look that scripture up. Jesus is saying, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. And they thought for a moment he was talking about natural bread. Remember that? But then they realized, no, he's talking about the teaching of the Pharisees. Now see, yeast, once you take just a little bit of yeast and you put it, I mean, you can have a big old, how many of you guys have ever seen I Live Lucy? It's an old show. Some of you guys, are, okay. You guys remember the one where she put way too much yeast and it kept growing out of the oven? All right. You can take, you can take a, a, just a big old thing of dough and it doesn't even take hardly any yeast. I mean, you just put a little bit in there, and it'll work through that dough, and then when you bake it, it's going to definitely rise. It's going to have a major effect. And what I'm saying is this. Jesus described this religious teaching that's deception like yeast. That just a little bit of it gets in. It works through the whole dough. All right. So what happened was Satan saw that this was a move of God, to split out of Roman Catholicism and begin to preach the truth again. That, that scripture, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it is by grace that you're saved through faith. 
that right there was what the Reformation was all about. Completely, that was what it was all about. Having the true gospel again. Satan saw this move of God and so he began to sow some yeast into it. There's a lot of different things I could rabbit trail on, but the, I want to stick with one. So one of the aspects of yeast was this. There began to be a, an over... Let me put it this way. There began to be this, look, yes, God is sovereign. I believe in that. God is sovereign. But people began to view, there was particular teaching. I'm not going to say who and what and all that. But they viewed God's sovereignty in a way that was extreme. It was like a hyper type teaching. And let me explain what I mean. If you were to take under this person's teaching, they believed in the sovereignty of God in this way, which I don't. They believe that if you took 10 people, five of them were predestined to go to heaven and five of them were predestined to go to hell. It didn't matter what they did or anybody else did. That was going to be the end result, period. You see what I'm saying? All right. And they said because God's sovereign. Well, the problem with that is you're taking away the free will of man. I'm not trying to lose you. I want everybody to really hear this tonight because this is important because this affects you and me and it affects 2018, okay? So this began to be taught and it began to be this hyper view of God's sovereignty and this hyper view about predestination and then it got into this thing about once you're saved that you could never lose out with God and all that. And all of that is from this same line here of teaching. All right. So what happens is, is now, a couple hundred years later, this yeast has been really worked into the dough really good. It's established. And so now you've got groups of people that teach in a way that lead people to believe that once they've prayed a prayer and accepted Christ or whatever, that no matter what they do, that they're going to be in heaven, period. doesn't matter. There's a lot of problems with that. One of the greatest problems with that is, is that people are being taught in such a way that they genuinely feel that if they go out and they live in sexual immorality, however else they're living, that they're going to be fine. I said the prayer. I did the ritual. I did this. I did that. I'm fine. And listen, the reason why I'm preaching like this is because every one of you that do any witnessing in River of Life, you know that I'm telling the truth, that there are tons of people, not one or two, tons of people out there right now that we talk to all the time i mean you understand we've been doing this for years i can't even tell you how many hundreds of people just i've talked to that believe i walked the aisle i said the little prayer and they were told once you do this you're good eternally so in other words they take that as i can go live however i want to live i'm good to go I got my hell insurance card. And so they live how they, and we go out there and we talk to people. They, they're living the lifestyle of total, complete heathens. They're on their way to hell. But they've had that religion handed to them. They've had that false teaching taught to them. And you know what that false teaching is doing? It's reinforcing that lifestyle in them. They feel justified. They feel fine. Now I'm going to tell you something. I was so thankful because you know my parents raised us in church and there was a particular preacher we sat under 
And um, I, I was away from God when I was younger. But he preached the truth. And I knew that if I died, I'd go to hell. I knew it. And it scared me. And I ended up coming back to the Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? As I, you know, you guys know, he told the truth. He said, you leave out of here and live in sin, you're going to burn, man. You better turn from your sin. You will go to hell. If you leave out of here and you get into sin, you will go to hell. And he told the truth. And I remember that it got in me. And I knew the way I was living that I would go to hell if I died. And God had to get a hold of me, but he did. And that, that preaching helped bring the change. And it kept me from a lot of things too. All right. But when people are being told, and they're not being told those words, but they're being told it in a way that they take, those, they take it this way, that you can live however you want and still be in heaven. How do you think, what's the fruit of that? What is the fruit of that teaching? You guys tell me, you go out there all the time talking to people, what's the fruit? People living in unrepentant sin and feeling they're fine. That's the fruit. And Jesus said, if the fruit is bad, the root is bad. So the scripture, Romans 6, 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? God forbid, may it never be. So what about adding to or taking away from the gospel? Galatians 1, 8, I've already read the scripture. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we preached to you, he is to be accursed. I think about all the different groups of people that are adding to or taking away from the gospel. I love the Mormon people, but man, they're adding to and they're taking away from the gospel. You know, they have this Book of Mormon and they're adding to and they're, they're saying you have to do this, this, and this to go to heaven. Listen, be careful anytime you see works-based salvation. There are doctrines of demons that are at work. There are deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Salvation, a new birth, is a free gift from God. It is not earned. You don't go out and say, well, I witnessed to so many people. I did this charitable labor. I gave all this money. I did this and this. Surely I'll be in heaven. It don't work that way. You have to look to the cross and be born again. Your sins have to be forgiven. Is this making sense tonight? Now, once you've accepted Christ and you've been born again and you're in covenant with God, then... James says faith um, without works is dead. Then, yes, we begin to do things out of our love for the Lord, but it's because we are in covenant. It's not to earn our way to heaven. So be very careful with those that add to or take away from the gospel. Now, I'm going to tell you something, too. Satan is subtle. You remember when he came to Eve as a, as a serpent? He didn't come to her and say this. Hey, Eve, God is a liar. He didn't do that. He goes to her and he says, oh, did God really say? He's subtle. And he began to try to sow seeds of doubt in her mind about what God said. It was a move of deception, you see. I remember there was a, a church, a particular group of uh, churches that was in Canada years ago. And there was some Sunday school curriculum that was circulating that some people had put together and this was many of you have been involved in enough churches down through the years to know a lot of times different groups of people will have curriculum that everybody uses okay so there was a group of people that wrote this curriculum 
And in this curriculum, it did not outright say certain things, but it asked questions, innuendos. And in this, it says, was Jesus really conceived of a virgin? You see what I'm saying? There were other questions along those lines. Did, he, did this really happen in the Bible? And it was asking these questions. And listen, I say it's in love, but these goofy people that should know better, nobody questioned it. I would hope River of Life would be like, I have a question, right? But listen, nobody questioned it. People were beginning to talk, yeah, did that really happen? You know, gullible, naive. How in the world? But it was, it was that serpent whispering in the ear of Eve. Did God really say and you know what? Did you know that the, that particular group of people never discerned this? But there was a secular newspaper. This is a true story. A secular newspaper wrote an article exposing, oh, hey, this particular uh, curriculum goes against their tenets of the faith. It took secular people to expose it. Be careful that we have a love for the truth. And that we are not going to just blindly follow things like that. Amen? Another one that really concerns me is taking away man's free will. This really bothers me and always has. 2 Thessalonians 2.3 Let no one in any way deceive you. For it's talking about the coming of the Lord here, okay? It will not come unless the apostasy come first. He's saying here the coming of the Lord will not come until the apostasy comes. And that's actually the best translation because the Greek word's apostasia. But it's translated in the uh, King James as a great falling away. It's translated, I believe, in like the NIV and others as a rebellion. But what an apostasy is, what an apostate, if you say that person's an apostate, what that means is they were walking with the Lord, professing him to be Lord. They believe Jesus is Lord. They believe the Bible. They're walking in that truth. And then they turn their back completely on the Lord and reject him. And they walk the other way. That's what an apostate is. So it reminds you of 1 Timothy 4.1 which says in the latter days because of doctrines of demons and seducing or deceiving spirits some will abandon the faith or fall away this is what it's saying here again the coming of the lord will not happen until there is a falling away first there's going to be people that fall i'm going to tell you something we're living in the time where the lord is bringing his sword down you're either for him or against him there's not any more of this fence riding you know when revival comes i love what Derek prince said Derek Prince said that all these people want to ride the fence. He said the very first thing God will do in revival is he will electrify the fence. You're either going to choose which side you're on. And that is so scriptural. I think about Jesus in John 6. It's easy to remember because it's John 6, 66. But Jesus had been preaching and these people, he had fed all of them. This is the multitude. They followed him and they're all just oohing and on about the fact that he had these little loaves and fishes and fed all of them and, and these great miracles and they're following him. And Jesus says, look, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And you got to understand, in that culture, they're thinking, whoa, wait a second. But every one of them, every one of them forsook the Lord that day. 
Jesus turns and looks at the 12 and said, are you going to go too? They said, no, where, where else will we go? You have the words of life. And they followed him. Listen, Jesus drew a line in the sand. You're just following me only because I fed you and you saw the miracles. Jesus didn't get down on his knees and beg the multitudes, please come back. I'm so sorry I said that. I didn't mean to offend you. How many people would do that today? You know, I remember there was a, a series of movies that Kirk Cameron did about the end times. Left Behind series. If you haven't seen them, you should, you should watch them. They're excellent. But there was one particular one that there was a, a preacher in this church. Now, the rapture had already happened. So there was people there looking for answers. And this preacher got up in this church. You have to understand, this is a, a group of people that was mixed. They were all looking for answers. But he got up and told them, this is what happened. This is the truth. There was a large portion of them that got up and walked out the back door. But he never chased them. He never said, oh, please come back. I'll change my message. He just simply said, this is the truth. And some people forsook, but others clung to it. So our job as preachers is just simply to preach the truth. That means some people are going to forsake. Some people are going to abandon the faith. Some people are going to fall away, whatever. But we still preach the truth. Now, we're, try we're not trying to, to be popular. Now, I'll tell you something else. We all have to make sure we pray about this, but ulterior motives. I believe that that's what Paul saw in 1 Timothy 4.1. He said that there were people whose consciences would be seared. I believe it's ulterior motives. And let me give you an example. So instead of just simply saying, Lord, we're going to preach the truth and we're going to be obedient. What we see you doing, we're going to do. What we hear you speaking, we're going to speak. That's it. We just want you to be glorified. See, that's a pure motive. But instead of doing that, a lot of places, and I mean a lot, and it really grieves me, will sit around and say, well, how are we going to get more people to come? How are we going to get bigger offerings? How can we get a bigger, fancier place? They really do this. And they sit around and strategize. Well, if we say this and we don't say this, if the decor is like this or it's not like this, if we do this and do this and do this, then we can get more people and bigger offerings. See, listen, when you have motives like that right there, you're dealing with impure motives, and what's happening is, is they don't realize it, but their consciences are gradually, gradually getting more and more seared. And I'll tell you something that's very concerning to me in America, American Christianity. I'm hoping to deal with a lot of things in this series, but there's some major idols in America. And one of the, one of the idols I want to talk about right now is this, comfort and convenience by and large people want to live a life of comfort and convenience they don't want to have to sacrifice got real quiet on me hope I didn't lose nobody but that's the truth in America people want comfort and they want convenience now think about the scripture where Jesus said unless you deny yourself unless you pick up your cross and follow me see 
Christianity is really a sacrificial life. And what happened was years ago, about 15 years ago, maybe 20, what happened was there was this move of the devil, I really believe it was, that without saying the name of this movement, but a movement began to emerge. And it was 11, a yeast that was being worked into the body of Christ, where it began to be about what do people want? Give people what they want and they'll come. Now just keep in mind the scriptures I've been quoting now and keep in mind what Jesus did. As you eat my flesh and drink my blood, he knew that it was going to tick every one of them off. And he knew, he's God, he knew they were going to leave. But anyway, there's this, been this movement about give people what they want. Make them comfortable. Make it about man. What makes man comfortable? What makes man happy? Just give them what they want. But true Christianity is about what he wants. And there's going to be times what he wants is going to tick off a lot of people. Because he is going to say, look, this is sin, turn. And all the people that have that sin are either going to repent or they're going to get ticked off and leave. You see what I'm saying? We're dealing with end time deception in this series. Even though a lot of you may not know a lot about end time prophecy, you're seeing as I'm preaching and as things are coming into your mind and you're going, oh yeah, I see what you're saying. And I, I realize what you're talking about. You're thinking about different things without even realizing it. You, all around you, are seeing the fulfillment of prophecy. End time deceptions all around us. The only way we're not going to be deceived is that we have a love for the truth. We have such a love for God's word. Everything is going to be lined up with this word. We love his word. That's going to be what keeps you. But see, there's a teaching. I need to close out with these last couple points here. But there's a teaching that takes away man's free will. And this has been kind of that along the lines of the once saved, always saved type of teaching. But that's always bothered me for this reason because everybody look this way and hear me because in the book of Genesis when God created the Garden of Eden he also put a tree of the knowledge of good and evil in there and gave man a free will he even let the devil run around listen God has always given people a free will anytime that you're hearing teaching that takes away man's free will and says, well, no matter what you do, no matter what choices you make, you're, God's still going to bring you into heaven. You're taking away man's free will. You have a free will. And listen, it's all through the scripture. It's all through the Old Testament. It's all through Jesus' ministry. And it's all the way into the book of Revelation. Did you know that when Jesus comes to rule and reign for a thousand years, I want you to think about this for a minute. Jesus Christ himself in the flesh is going to be on the earth ruling the earth for a thousand years. That's a long time. And all these people are going to be born and the earth's going to be populated. And listen, at the end of his reign, God is going to let the devil be loosed out of the abyss. He's going to go around deceiving people. And there's going to be, read it, it's in Revelation. There's going to be a lot of people, the Bible says their numbers like the sand on the seashore, that are going to march on Jerusalem wanting to dethrone Jesus because they don't like him. Fire is going to come down from heaven and fry him. Even at the very end, 
God still gave everybody a free choice. Jesus has been here a thousand years. Some of you were born during this time. That's all you've ever known is Jesus. You have a free will. Are you going to serve him? Or are you going to hate him? And there's still going to be people that choose to rebel against him. God never took away their free will. And so whenever you get into this teaching that, that makes it feel like, well, you know, God's just going to do this or the other and man's free will is, is not to be taken into account. That whole teaching of five people are destined to heaven, five to hell, no matter what they do, that's not true. God gives us a free will, amen? So the Bible says, let no one deceive you in any way for the coming of the Lord will not come unless the apostasy, apostasy comes first. So you see right there, the apostasy that people have a free will these are people that were walking with the lord are you going to continue with the lord or are you going to be like for example demas who forsook paul and forsook the gospel having love and love this present world and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction who opposes exalts himself above every so-called god or object of worship so that he takes the seat in the temple of god displaying himself as being god all right, then the last one that concerns me, and I'm going to close out with this, is no fear of God. This really concerns me. God is the ultimate, he's the creator of all things. He is the judge of heaven and earth. Who are we that God even cares about us? You know, humble people think that way. Who, who am I that God would even care? But he does. But see, the God who created all things, but there's some people now in the last especially 15 20 years or so that there's there's no fear of god anymore at all i remember a time you know like talking for example to my um my grandparents and people like that that've been around for a while there was a time that in society even even a lot of the people of the world still have like a healthy fear of god you know a fear of, of the church and god's health they had a respect you don't even see that now a lot of times in church when people call themselves Christians. I know that there's an unhealthy fear where people live fearful of things. That, that's not what we're supposed to do. And the Bible says God's not giving us a spirit of fear. That's talking about the wrong kind of fear. I'm talking about here a healthy, reverential fear of God. And listen to what Hebrews 10.26 says. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And so the Bible paints a pretty vivid picture there of having a healthy fear of God you know if that was back in the church there would be a lot less sin and something that you'll always hear from me is these last couple things I'm gonna read here 
In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul was writing to a church. Okay, everybody get this in your mind. He's writing to Christians. It'd be just like, for example, if he was today and he wrote to River of Life. Here's what I'm saying to all of you in this church. And listen to what he said. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. But Paul told them, you better examine yourself and make sure that you're in the faith. As he knew that there would be people mixed in there. There was a man of a very, very large church and a friend of mine who went home to be with the Lord was a very well-known minister and he he told me this in private we were talking just the two of us and he told me he said that he was he's friends with this guy this is a very large church and uh if you said the name you'd know who he's talking about but they were talking these two preachers and the one my friend that was telling me this said i asked him i said well how many people in your congregation do you think are truly christians versus how many are not etc etc he said, I fear that the majority are not ready to go to heaven. And then my friend told him, he said, man, you better tell him. But see, him and many others are locked into this mindset. We don't want to offend anybody. I'll tell you, offense is going to be when they're in hell one day. Yes, if you tell the truth, there's going to be some people that walk. But man, I want to stand for the Lord one day and him say, you know what? You told people the truth. Some people loved you. Some people hated you. But you told people the truth. And the people that are in heaven, because they heard the truth, they're going to come up to those preachers and say, thank you for telling me the truth. If the wrong person had got a hold of me and told me a bunch of garbage, I'd probably be in hell today. But I'm in heaven because I heard the truth. But Paul confronted that church, said, you better examine yourselves. Make sure you're in the faith. In 2 Peter 1.10, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing for you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. And he's talking about living a righteous life. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Well, some of the things that you'll always hear from me right here, you better make sure that you're born again and you're in covenant with God I don't care how long you've gone to church I don't care how religious you are you can still go to hell you know with what, what was it back at Brownsville with baptismal waters dripping off your face holding the church hymnal you know you can still go to hell wearing a choir robe you better make sure that you're really saved for real you better make sure that you're born again and you're in covenant with God Number two, here's some things you're always going to hear from me. Make sure that you've repented of your sins and you've forgiven other people. Bible says if you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. But also, you better make sure that you're not living a lifestyle of unrepentant sin. People that live a lifestyle of unrepentant sin are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible says that. Number three, something you're going to hear me say over and over. You need to know the Lord in a personal relationship. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. They won't follow another. You better know Jesus. 
for yourself. Don't try to know the Jesus who Pastor Scott talks about. You need to know Jesus yourself. If you're his sheep, you're going to know him. You're going to know his voice. I remember I had a time with Steve Hill, and buddy, he preached the truth. And when we were talking, you know, it was really neat because I first met him and we were talking together, and I come there to talk to him about some spiritual things, etc. But at the beginning of the conversation, he was probing me, and I realized later what he was doing. He was asking me, so what's the Lord's been speaking to you lately? And I was like, okay. I was kind of taken aback because I wasn't ready to answer that question. You know, it's kind of personal. But I was like, well, you know, God's been sharing me. He's like, okay. You know. I realized what he was doing. He wanted to make sure I was a real Christian. He wanted to make sure I had a relationship with the Lord. And I really knew it. Number four, you need to know the Bible for yourself. You're going to hear me say that a lot. But see, we're living in a time where there's a lot of people out there that profess to be Christians that are too lazy to read the Bible. They just want to sit around and, and watch TV or watch movies or be on the internet or play video games or whatever. They, they don't read the word. You better make it a point to discipline yourself to study that word for yourself. You need to know it for yourself. The next thing you're going to hear me say a lot is you need a strong prayer life. We're living in the last days. It's isn't the time to play lukewarm Christianity. And the last thing I'd say, and you're going to hear me say a lot, is you need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and be led by Him. This is vitally important. The, the Bible says, Paul said to Romans, I believe, he said that those that are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Son implies mature. And being led by the Spirit in the Greek means continually led. So what God is saying there through Paul is, is that we need to learn to live a life of being led by the Spirit. Too many people say, I'm a Christian, you know, they go to church and stuff, but they're really, they don't pray about a lot of things. They're not really led by the Spirit. And because of that, they make poor decisions. They're not in the right place at the right time. A lot of times they'll take wrong job opportunities. They'll make this mistake over here. You see what I'm saying? And it's because they're not really praying and they're not really led by the Spirit. When you're led by the Spirit, you're going to be at the right place at the right time. The right people in your life and the wrong people are removed and kept down. You make wise decisions in life because you're led by the Spirit. Now I'm going to say this and we're going to pray. But you know, bank tellers, they don't really study the counterfeit. What bank tellers are told is they'll study the real. They're given legitimate money over and over and over. And because of that, you guys know as well as I do, handling money all the time has a certain feel to it and it has a certain smell to it. And they're so accustomed to handling the real that the goal there is is that if there's ever a counterfeit that comes through, it's going to feel different different smell to a different feel something's not right about this bill right here you know they pick it out because they're so familiar with the real and I say that to say that as for me I do my best to spend good quality time every day with the Lord and I want I study the word I read it and I think about when I'm reading I really meditate on things 
and I spend time in prayer and I spend time with the Holy Spirit and in his presence. And when you do this day in and day out, day in and day out, there's a certain feel to that. If I could say it this way, there's a certain fragrance there, you know, if you hear what I'm saying. There's just a feel about you. You're familiar with the presence of God. You're familiar with the Holy Spirit. You're familiar with his leading. You're familiar with his voice. And you're familiar with the word. So all of a sudden, a counterfeit starts coming through. And you're thinking, that's not what I'm used to. There's something about that <clears throat> that doesn't feel right, doesn't smell right. Something ain't right about that. And then the goofy people over here that continually are drinking out of their dirty bucket, they say, well, you're just a Pharisee. You're just a critic. You're just a divisive person. You know, you're just, you got a religious spirit. It's like, no, I just don't want something fake. I want the real. And I know you do too. All right. So we thank you. We thank you for your word. There's such a purity in the word of God. There's such a purity in the, the flow of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray for River of Life and those listening. And if everybody will really sincerely pray this, God has called us to not live with some kind of idol in our heart about our own comfort and our own convenience. Christianity is a radical laying down your life, being crucified with Christ, picking up your cross, and following the Lord and it's a life of self-sacrifice it's a life where we're going to have to give of time we're going to have to give of resources we're going to have to lay down our life for the gospel and we need to really think about that are we are we falling into the lukewarm tendencies in America where really it's selfish it's just about us and what we want on our terms or are we really laying down our life we're saying, Lord, whatever you want to do with me, wherever I need to be, whatever I need to be doing, I want to be about your business. A sacrificial life. And Lord, I pray for everyone here in this. Give us the grace to do that. I pray if there's anybody here in this, they may be religious and maybe they've gone to church, maybe their whole life. They're very religious. But the question is, do you really know him? You need to think about that. Do you really truly know him have you really been born again or did your mommy and daddy tell you you were born again you better make sure for yourself that you're truly born again that you're in covenant with god and that you have a living relationship with god almighty and so lord i pray tonight by your holy spirit the true gospel will get to where people are tonight and people will repent and get right with god because there's a lot of people out there they use the name of Jesus all the time, but then they'll use a lot of profanity. And they're out there, they'll, they'll go to church, but then they're doing all these other things that are sinful and wicked. Friend, they're not going to heaven. They're just deceived. My heart goes out to them, but they're going to have to truly get born again and truly repent and get in right relationship with God. And Lord, I pray that you'll get a hold of people and do a work in their life. I pray all this in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for your word. We want to love your word. Some of this tonight may have ruffled some people's religious feathers. But I want to love for the truth. Even if it's not what I'm used to. Even if it's not all that comfortable at first. Even if it's outside my box. If it's the truth. Then it's the truth. And I want a love for the truth. 
Lord, let this go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.